this is Steve, the cookout coach, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Show. A show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you right here during these 120 minutes of live fire talk. If you want to jump in on the show tonight through a phone call or an email, you can do it this way. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening coming up. In about 13 minutes from now, we are now in the month of August. It's the first Tuesday of the month of August, and you know what that means. We will be visited by the creator of How to Barbecue Right, also the pitmaster of Killer Hogs Barbecue Competition Team. Malcolm Reed will be joining me. No video tonight for Malcolm. He is in transit And I'm not going to get any further into that unless you are also a fan of his podcast and you've listened to the most recent episode. And I think he releases on Fridays or Saturdays. So if you're keeping up with all the latest releases of Live Fire Podcast, and you probably know what he's up to. But I'm just going to pretend like nobody else is listening to anything else. You aren't caught up. And we will get all caught up together in about 12 minutes from now when we talk with Malcolm Reed. Plus, he has recently vacationed in Jamaica a place I would never go, I would never do it, but we'll talk to him about that, uh, also about his latest recipe, which is the Mississippi Po' Boy, and maybe he can give us a little info on that sandwich itself and the roots, if there's a traditional Po' Boy sandwich, and then there's different kinds of avenues to splinter off of that sandwich, like the basic so plenty to talk to as it relates to Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right. Then we will move to the 35 past the hour segment Will well, where we'll be rejoined. Oh, my Lord. Tonight's a tough one to talk, evidently, where we will be joined by a barbecue hall of famer, a multiple-time barbecue and grilling cookbook author, a long-time tenured uh, chef, corporate chef for Big Green Egg, He is also having some new things going on and, most importantly, dynamically loyal friend of this show, Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy rejoins us. 
Excited to talk to Ray. We'll also get caught up on the restaurant stuff that's going on in Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater area. So excited to talk to Ray and play some catch-up there. We'll move to the second hour after Ray because it is the first Tuesday of the month. We also have an additional first Tuesday of the month regular guest. And that, of course, is Sam the Cooking Guy. And Sam missed the last month. He had some scheduling conflicts. We were able to make do. However, always gracious and happy to have Sam. I'm gracious that he's coming on the show. To have him back on. And we're going to be talking about restaurant stuff. We're going to be talking about opportunities of restaurants. We're going to be talking about scalloped potatoes that just might change your life. We also might be talking about some other food-related items as well. By the way, if you're going to be out in the San Diego area and you know where that Little Italy Food Mart is, Not Not Tacos is out there. The second restaurant, which has just recently opened, Gray's, is also there, like right across the walkway or the fountain, whatever you want to call it. And if you're looking for an insider's area, hold on. Okay. We have to change that, but that's all right. Um... If you're looking for a, a inside scoop or somewhere to eat, then that's where you want to check out if you're in that general area. So catching up with Sam, the cooking guy, at 14 past the second hour. Then we'll move to the closeout segment. And if you are any type of backyard barbecue enthusiast and you love pellet grills, you know the hottest thing on the market over the last couple of weeks, good, bad, and indifferent, has been the Weber Smoke Fire we talked about it last week in the embedded correspondence segment. Derek Richards had some takes on it, and I was chasing the grill master for Weber Corporate, Kevin Coleman, and I have finally chased him down, and he will help me close out the show at 1035. And we will talk about Weber Smokefire. I will go through and ask him a myriad of questions that I have uh, accumulated after I have done my own research on these Facebook groups that are dedicated to the Weber Smoke Fire. And uh, I'm going to be brutally honest here. A lot of this stuff that I'm going to be asking about is not necessarily positive. And the way that I want to do this or the reason that I'm doing this is because we want to weed out what's crap and what's legitimate. The thing that we talked about last week was how do things get out of control with social media when will you hear positive? When will you hear negative? What can we filter or how can we filter through? And certainly no better way to filter what's a legitimate concern with a smoke fire and what is not a legitimate concern with smoke fire than talking with the guy himself, Kevin Coleman. So that's how we're going to close it out. 216-220-0966 is the phone number. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com is the email address if you want to write in. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. There's also a live video feed on Facebook, also one on YouTube, and one on Periscope, which is Twitter's video feed, so you can get at me there. Also, just audio only on TuneIn, you can find out all the different places right there on the main website and right at the top in big buttons. So obviously, lots of reaction to last week, especially as it relates to the top of the second hour, when I fielded a phone call from somebody who proclaimed himself to be a large Instagram influencer, a huge Instagram influencer. 
His name was Smokey, or at least that's what he called himself, and maybe that's his handle. I've been seeing him show up on uh, Instagram, as he had mentioned. At Smokey BBQ, I think, was the handle, if you check it out. And the reaction was fast and furious, obviously, as I was gauging in the chat. A lot of people were finding it interesting, finding it hilarious. little sample of emails that trickled in over the course of the week. Tim in Indianapolis wrote, was that a real phone call? That was insane. Tim, that was a real phone call. Mike in South Carolina wrote, do you think it was funny talking about someone jumping from a bridge? I don't. Mike. We try on this show. If we're not funny all the time, forgive us. We're attempting. We're trying. We're continuing to push the envelope. All the different cliches here. Uh, I apologize if you have had members of your immediate, expanded, or otherwise friends, neighbors, or network of somebody that might have jumped off a bridge and it's touching a nerve with you. But hey, do I think it was funny about talking about someone jumping from a bridge? Yes, it was funny. Come on, it was fun. Travis in Texas, keeping the smoke fire in the box and then putting it in your baby's room for safekeeping sounds like a terrible idea. Glad Smokey jumped. The bigger question on all of this, whether you thought Smokey's call into the show was the best thing ever, whether you thought Smokey's call into the show was the worst thing ever, and there's probably not too much in between there. It probably wasn't like ho-hum. You probably loved it or you hated it. I don't think 47 followers quantifies or qualifies anybody as a influencer on the social medias. And also... If you're afraid of something combusting, grill, clothes, medicine, whatever, I wouldn't suggest keeping it in a box and then sticking it in your baby's room for safekeeping. And as Travis said, because of that line of reasoning, he's happy that Smokey jumped off the bridge. Now, what I cannot confirm, of course, is did Smokey make it down to the end? Of the bridge? Or did he not? Could there be future phone calls from Smokey coming in? Time will tell. What I can tell you is that Malcolm Reed will be coming up as soon as I get done talking to you about the barbecue guru. Barbecue guru is making outdoor cooking fun again because it can be and it should be. If you've always thought about automatic temperature control devices, the Barbecue Guru is the company that started it all. A lot of others have come and gone. The Barbecue Guru continues to remain in the lead, much like the show. A lot of others have come and gone. The Barbecue Central Show continues to press the envelope. So does the Barbecue Guru when it comes to automatic temperature control technology. Whatever level of tech and access you want, they have a model ready for you. If you cook on ceramic cookers, bullet styles, kettles... Even offset cookers that have something that will match up to you. If you have any questions about what you need to order, you call in and ask them all your questions, and they will make sure that you have exactly what you need to get you up and running as it ships to your door. BBQGuru.com is the website. The number is 800-288-GURU. That's 
G-U-R-U. Okay. Now, accessories. Not a huge amount of accessories, but the accessories that they're offering are certainly bringing value to a ceramic cooker. By the way, they do sell cookers, right? The monolith that I've talked about for a number of months here on the show. The world's first ceramic cooker with a built-in induction fan right there in the cooker. Nobody else is doing that. Put your barbecue guru controller up to that fan and away you go. They also have the shotgun cooker named after company founder Shotgun Fred. Bunch of different stuff to meet the needs, make you better outdoor barbecue. Again, the website, bbqguru.com, and the phone number is 800-288-GURU. 800-288-GURU. Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. Malcolm Reed coming up out of the break. Stick around. Be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, grilling oils. All of Butcher Barbecue products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as in backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now. Butcher's Barbecue, always trust your butcher. First Tuesday of the month means we are taking a visit from the pitmaster of Killer Hogs Barbecue and co-founder of How to Barbecue Right. That, of course, being Malcolm Reed. Hey, Malcolm. What's happening, Greg? So I was teasing as we were leading into this segment that we're not going to be finding you in your usual haunts. I was actually planning. I had a whole picture of you. And well, actually, this is uh, originally how I thought the segment was going to look right here. It was going to be a nice picture of Malcolm Reed there with a whole hog. But uh, you had got me right as we were going into the break that you were going to be available through Skype. So I figured we'd give this a shot. Uh, you are... Uh, in transit, as they say. But before we get into any of that, as we look back at last month's visit and my vitriol for Bloody Mary contest, does Rochelle hate me for dumping on the Bloody Mary contest in general last month, or were you able to shield me from any of that? No, 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 man. She did. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> all right. So uh, as I mentioned, you are, uh, you are in transit, as they say. Um, so... I think for, I don't know, the last couple visits, uh, we didn't talk about it every month, but we had talked about it a couple different times. Uh, you were given the blessing from Michelle that if you wanted to go look for a barbecue trailer, it was on you. There was uh, all of your decisions to be made and who you're going to use and how you're going to lay out all the good stuff. And now we've come to the fruition point and you're in the midst of either coming back or going to get it. So uh, kind of pick up the ball from there and let us know what's going on. 
Yeah, I think this process, man, it started late last, was it last November, something like that, yeah. when I, you know, I finally pulled the trigger and I ordered a, um, a Southern Dimensions uh, barbecue trailer. And my man Tracy down in Waycross, Georgia, uh, built it for me, and it's been ready for a few weeks. I was waiting on a cooker to come in down there from Old Hickory Pits, and he got it mounted on, and it's ready to pick up. So now I'm down um, in southeast Georgia in a hotel about an hour out from SDG Trailers, and I'll be there in the morning to pick it up. So um, I plan to post some pics tomorrow on my Instagram or something. Well, it's raining the whole way, Greg, so I don't know what it's going to be like tomorrow. So hopefully the weather will be all right. On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, 10 being like a 6, 7-year-old on Christmas and 1 being as indifferent as you possibly could be, I mean, how excited are you at this point? Oh, man, I'm extremely excited. Yeah, I'm excited as a six-year-old on Christmas. I'm getting a brand-new barbecue trailer, man. How did I hadn't you... had one in many, many, many years. Well, I remember <laughs> you saying that on uh, one of the podcasts over the last couple months that you've been using the same trailer forever and that you know this was finally a, a step in a new direction, if you will, pardon the pun. But when you're doing research, and I'm sure you're talking to a bunch of people, trailers have obviously grown in popularity amongst uh, not only competition cooks but folks that are getting into some type of food vending or, you know, restaurant style stuff without having to get the brick and mortar restaurant. You're a little bit more mobile. How do you go about figuring out who you're going to use? And then uh, once you decided what additional vetting did you do in order to make sure that you felt as comfortable as you could be with such a purchase? Well, I pretty much checked out some trailers that Tracy had built before. That was kind of my deciding point and looking at craftsmanship. And there's a lot of great uh, barbecue rigs out there from you know from porch trailers to concession type trailers that you can get into business with and i just felt like that he was building quality trailers from the ground up he's had a lot of experience he, he mainly builds uh, concession style trailers which are way more custom than what i got and so um you know he built a few for some buddies of mine and i really like those trailers so I, I just decided i was going to go with him and and uh go from there now, when you are in the initial planning phases, and I, I recall that you had given him an idea or drawing, and then he kind of turns it around into something that's really three-dimensional and gives you quite a, a detailed look at how your idea is actually going to come to life uh, before he actually puts it together. So is this like a cooker, in a sense, as you are putting it together? Obviously, there's a at least some kind of a rudimentary budget number that you think you want to stick around, but as things start to get together and there are suggestions being made and you want a living quarter, maybe you want hot water here, you want some refrigeration. I mean, the money starts adding up and I would imagine the till starts spinning pretty quickly. Is it like a cooker to a certain degree where you do want to spend a little bit more now instead of getting it, getting it back home and going, I wish I would have done this I wish I got this. I wish I would have had six more feet. How does that uh, correlate? That's, you know, you're, you're pretty much all over it. I mean, I kn- I've, I've been around barbecue trailers and I've had the same one for many years, but I knew what I wanted. I knew what the, I knew about what the trailer was going to cost. So there really wasn't a sticker shock. Um, you know, it, it, it's basically like we're buying almost like a, a camper style uh, work and play. If you've ever seen those, this is just more of a custom one fitted to my needs instead of just buying something like off a of factory. Um, and so I knew that I needed so much cooking space in the back. I wanted so much prep space, but I really wanted living quarters uh, so we could be comfortable at contest. And so, you know, Waylon and I would be comfortable, but but more so that when Rochelle went with us that, she you know, she wouldn't complain or she would be happy too, which lets me cook more contests or do more stuff. So it kind of, you know, it fits all those bills. And it's, you know, I, 
I upgraded it. I got some, you know, some pretty cool lights put on. I got an automatic awning on it. Um, you know, I've got it split up for some extra storage in the nose. I spent a little, you know, I got an electric jack for the first time. So I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy store, man. I think it's great. I'm, I'm excited about our trailer. How many people can it sleep, I guess, comfortably and uncomfortably if you had to? Comfortably, I would say four. And if you doubled up on a couple of beds, you probably could get six smaller than me people in it. <laughs> all, right, all right. So that's got a pretty good uh, capacity for sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, you know, I know you've probably seen the RV style couches that fold out and kind of a, what they call an RV full size bed. And then I've got another uh, bed and some bunk beds too. So it's, you know, it's, it's got some space for, for the footprint it has. So when you get there tomorrow, is it going to be a quick turn and burn? Or do you spend all day there? Or are you trying to walk through it? You kind of do a quick sign off and then uh, hook it up and away you go. Well, I wanted to come and I wanted to kind of check out Tracy's operation over there and hope to you know, spend a little time with him. Of course, I'm trying to get back tomorrow and it's about nine and a half hours for us. So I would, I'd love to get over there in the morning and get back on the road by, you know, lunch or so that way it's not too late getting in, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to look around. Hopefully the weather will work. I'm, I definitely wanted to go through the trailer, put my eyes on it. That's why I came over instead of just having it delivered. I wanted to, you know, see uh, firsthand if there was anything that needed to be fixed before I take ownership of it. But, you know, Tracy assures me that everything's, you know, every T's crossed and I's dotted. So I'm, I'm, I'm trusting him too. Malcolm Reed joining me here on the show. How to BBQ Right is the website. Obviously, you can subscribe on YouTube. And I believe at last count, as I checked earlier, 839,000 subscribers. So we are inching towards the million mark ever so quickly. Uh, Malcolm, let me ask the douchebag question here because everybody's become accustomed to it. All said and done, all in on the trailer. How much are we boning out? 35. 35. All right. It's a man's game number right there. Uh, Somebody in the instant. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's not much more than, you know, a nice fifth wheel trailer that you would buy to go camping or something in. So I'm looking at it. So I could use it for that if I wanted to. I just happen to have a big cooker on the back. That's right. So uh, one of the guys in the instant chat said at 35 grand, you'd have to win 3,247 contests in order to pay for that. But, uh, you know, uh, barbecue contests aren't known for having huge payouts anyway. So, uh, I mean, uh, quickly pushing this into service or do you have some time to get it all set up and feeling it out before you get to a contest? I've got a contest at the end of the month um, in Savannah, Tennessee, first KCBS of the year. I think it's the 27th, 28th uh, Tennessee River Battle, I think it's called, in Savannah, Tennessee. It's going to be a fun one. All right, so you got roughly two and a half to three weeks to get it all set up. You plan it out like that to give yourself a little bit of time to get acclimated with the uh, inner workings so you can be very efficient at that first contest? Yeah, I definitely got to get that pit season, man. I don't want to go in with the brand new pit, so I got to get some smoke in it. And by the time I get my equipment in there and get it stocked and get my beds ready and all that good stuff, man. <laughs> give me give me some shampoo and soap and all in the new shower. You know, make sure all that works. Wow, we I mean it's full service deal, right? Full service, yeah. man. Secret, be a hotel on wheels. Secret liquor cabinet somewhere. Oh yeah, you know I've got I've got plenty of storage for the brown water. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, uh, Malcolm Reed joining us here on the show. Um, so, do trailers uh, and aside from the first one, which obviously you've had for quite a while, do trailers typically have a lifespan of folks that you know that are you know, in trailers uh, because they're doing a lot of contests or vending, do they keep them for five, six, seven years and then turn them out? Or is it really just depending on what kind of an individual you are and how you're putting it through its paces? I think, yeah, it probably depends on the wear and tear. I mean, I would say if you got 10 years out of one, you did great. 
that's kind of where we are with ours. And at that point, you know, it starts wearing tear gets on it. And I've had to replace axles and, you know, some of the plywood gets water damaged in my old trailer and it's some, it's got some more work that needs to be done on it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I would say five to 10 years is doing good. I mean, a lot of guys trade them more often than that just because, uh, your needs change and, you know, Hopefully, I, I plan to keep this one ten years. I don't plan on getting rid of it anytime soon. So you're going to have a CTO on the back. Are there? Is that kind of permanent living on the on the back of that cooker at this point? Yeah, I had it mounted to it, uh, so it can't move. I mean, it's you know I could unmount it, of course, take it off if I want, but uh, I'll probably put a gateway back there, gateway drum, and I'll put, I'll roll my generator up, and then the back will be ready to go. So everything else is pretty much self service. Just uh, have to restock every contest to, to the supplies I need. From a contest standpoint, just to touch on it briefly, since you said you had one in a couple of weeks, uh, have you been doing any practicing or, or leading up competition style cooking? Because typically, you know what you're doing on videos or backyard cooking is necessarily related to competition cooking. I have not. <laughs> I'm probably going to get my butt kicked, Greg. I'm going about it this year as just having fun and getting back out there. I didn't get to do a lot last year, so I'm going to uh, you know I'm, I'm not going to be too. I'm not saying I'm not going to be serious because I, you know, I'll go to I'll go to do my best and hopefully win. But I'm going to go more to have fun and talk to people and get to hang out with my buds. Uh, Malcolm, one of the things that everybody uh, seems to love about you is visiting the website, the YouTube channel, and seeing what you're cooking and learning how to cook better in the backyard. And the most recent recipe was the Mississippi po' boy. And you know, one of the, I, I guess, so the, the the question that I have is here in Cleveland. There is a sandwich called the Polish Boy. Are we talking about the same sandwich here, and we're just knocking off the lish part, or are they two completely different sandwiches? Well, this is more of uh, the New Orleans style po' boy that 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 I'm talking about. I guess it's kind of a uh, that's that's where I I get my reference from getting a po' boy. Usually, when I think of a po' boy, I think of a fried shrimp or crawfish or yep. combo or something like that with lettuce, tomatoes. But they also do one that's called a Davy Po' Boy, and it's what it, it's like a beef roast that they cook down. Usually, I imagine it's like a sirloin or some top round roast or something. They cook it down to where it's just falling apart, and all the debris in the pot, you know, what cooks down, and that gets like ladled back over the sandwich to make it really juicy. Mm. And that's you know that's a pretty standard Po' Boy if you're from Louisiana. And I just kind of did my spin on it, being from Mississippi. And this Mississippi pot roast that I know everybody's seen, it's been around the internet for years. That's done in like a you know slow cooker crock pot type thing. I just did it on the smoker, got some color and smoke on it, and cooked it till it was fork tender, falling apart. And man, it was awesome. So I heard you go over the details in the most recent uh, How to Barbecue Right podcast, and you know maybe it comes as no surprise to my listeners because my uh, culinary depth of field is. Oh, let's say limited a little bit. So I had never heard of people doing this kind of a pot roast. To me, you go, you get a chuck roast, uh, you know, four pounds or so, put it in the slow cooker, and then I do potatoes, corn, carrots, onions, maybe some celery uh, if I can sneak it in and nobody else sees me do it in the family because everybody else hates it. Um, but but that's like pot roast to me. I'd never heard of putting uh, ranch packets in a in this kind of a, a dish before so uh, but you said it was very popular and everybody was doing it well the, you know that's my mom's style is what you were talking about that's how i grew up eating pot roast i don't know where the origins of this mississippi pot roast came from 
But, you know, it's a stick of butter, a packet of ranch, a packet of au jus, and some pepperoncinis. How can that be bad? I don't know. I mean, you had me at stick of butter, I think. I, I, you know, I'm not a huge ranch fan. Uh, I think in, in places it's fine. Like if you have a nice pumpernickel bread and you make a nice ranch dip, okay, I can get down with that. But my oldest daughter used to date a kid who would dip his pizza in ranch sauce. How dare you? I, I can't even believe it. I'm like, are we talking like seven-year-olds like dip everything in ranch because they're seven-year-olds? But where does the palate expand as I continue to contradict myself saying I really didn't have a lot of uh, breadth of, of palate? But nevertheless, uh, I think ranch in places is fine, but I'd never heard of this before. So I guess it, uh, is there a ratio of butter and ranch and meat so one isn't overpowering the other? Well, you know, I would say that you're right in the three to four pound roast range is perfect for the whole packet of each. Now, I have made one that's a little smaller and it, it'll get a little saltier, a little over flavored from you from the two packets, which, you know, we're just getting packets from the supermarket. So yeah. it's, it's I'm sure there's no telling what's in there. But, but uh, if, if you use, it's kind of, you need a good size roast. If you use a two pound roast, Cut the packet back a little bit if you're worried about it being a little salty. Just use half. But I think you do need the stick of butter because it's you're not adding any extra liquid. You know, a lot of times when you make a pot roast, you would put some beef broth or yep. some water or something in there with it. This is we're just letting the roast, the fat in the roast render out. The butter's melting and giving it some more richness, some more liquid. And then it mixes with those two, uh, the ranch dressing pack mix and the au jus pack mix to kind of make this gravy. And the pepper genies cook down. They have some juice in them too, but... It's not. It doesn't make a ton of liquid. Uh, what's there is really concentrated, really flavorful. But it's uh, you don't get. And it's not a real heavy ranch flavor either. All that all that cooks away. I think you pick up more of the dill, more of that flavor in that ranch than you do anything on the roast. And it's really good. Um, when you're serving it, is it a slice serve or a pull serve, and then onto I guess a bun that would be able to, or a roll that would be able to stand up to not only the meat and then the liquid that accompanies it? Sure. What I'd I'd like to shred it. That's what I did. And typically when we roast, we cook them to where they're fork shreddable tender. You know, um, it's really soft, really rendered down. It almost has like a beef cheek texture to it mm -hmm. or short rib. That's what it's like. Um, I served it on just a, you need a bread, a real po' boy bread. They make them in these bakeries down in New Orleans and they're, you know, fantastic, real light, but crusty on the outside. Now the Mississippi version is just whatever 12 inch hoagie or po' boy roll you can find at Kroger. <laughs> That's the Mississippi version. We're not real picky on breads, but uh, I put cheese down, and I just went with the, like an American deli white cheese, uh, you know, just standard standard stuff from the deli to, to keep the meat from soaking through. That kind of held it. It melted the cheese a little bit, but it still creates that barrier, so you're not picking it up. Your hand's not – you don't have a soggy mess pretty much. Do you ever think about doing maybe like a light toast on the bread to add an additional barrier? You, you know, I've served it with Texas toast before, and it's really good for a smaller version um a po boy is typically not toasted um, but you could man this is you know these recipes that i do i love people's interpretations on them so if you try it greg and you toast the bread let me know how it turns out all right no doubt about it we love toasting bread in all forms and fashions here in this house for some reason so i'll let you know how it works out from a upcoming recipe standpoint what are you working on right now well i've got um one coming up for saint patrick's day where i'm, I'm using a guinness beard to to, to make a, a marinade and a glaze that I'm kind of uh, doing or kind of a salt, you know, a it's like a mushroom Guinness reduction sauce glaze 
for steak. I'm going to do a steak and potatoes for St. Patrick's Day. Um, I've also, uh, you know, I just recently, me and Rochelle took a little vacation down to, to Montego Bay, Jamaica, and I come back with a little more jerk on my mind. And, and uh, so, I, so I did a little jerk pork belly action, too, that I'm going to release this week, hopefully, if I can get back in time. I've got to get back and, and write all the recipe and description out for Rochelle. She's editing it, edi- editing it now. Will you do or did you use your jerk seasoning for that? I did, but I made more of a traditional jerk marinade with it using really fresh ingredients. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I kind of food process some onions, some some habanero peppers, some green onions, some garlic, uh, some pimento with some of the jerk seasoning and some lime juice to make this. It's like a wet marinade, uh, kind of chunky, hmm. kind of thick. You know, uh, if you think of a puree kind of, it's, it's more like an authentic jerk. And then... I call them jerk pork belly bites, or the the burn in. You can t- you can ask Ray about if we should call them pork pork burn ins here. <laughs> yeah, I think we had this discussion last year at some point and uh, didn't go too well. So, but we're uh, doing jerk belly bites. All right, sounds great. Uh, so we'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, Malcolm Reed is chasing the new trailer, which he's going to get his hands on and his truck on tomorrow, and then latch up at some point and head back to the house. And you can find Malcolm Reed on the first Tuesday of the month right here on this show. In the meantime, how to bbqright.com and killerhogs.com are the websites and how to BBQ right on all the social media channels. Malcolm, always appreciate the time and uh, continued safety on your journey. Can't wait to see that thing on video. Thank you, Greg. It's always a pleasure, man. I'll see you next month. You got it. There he is, Malcolm Reed, and he is on his way to Norcross, Georgia to pick up that trailer that he found great how to bbqright.com his website are you subscribed of course most people are subscribed in live fire to malcolm's channel ray lampy coming up out of the break i'll talk to you quickly about Southside market and barbecue established in 1882 Southside market the oldest barbecue joint in texas owned and operated by the same family for three generations Offering premium Central Texas barbecue products, slow smoked over real wood, shipping, distributing, manufacturing sausages for companies across the U.S., from food trucks to multi-chain restaurants. Southside Sausage can be on your menu, too. All meats are processed in the on-site USDA-inspected facility, a trusted partner with a focus on quality and authenticity. Wholesale options are available. Shipping nationwide via FedEx, or you can get it through food service distribution channels like Cisco. U.S. Foods and Martin Foods, co-packaging capable. That's right, from research and development to package completion, they can follow your recipe or help you develop something brand spanking new. They also have private label opportunities if you're interested. Visit southsidemarket.com for more information, or you can purchase everything they have for sale right there on that website. As you're doing that, use the coupon code 10% off for your entire online order the first time, the 10th time, every time. BBQ Central, one word and lowercase, BBQ Central. 10% off when you use BBQ Central at southsidemarket.com. The beef sausage, if you haven't tried it, got to try it. Ray Lampy coming up. Yes, he is still around, and we will talk to him next. We'll be right back.
continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, this portion of the show is being brought to you by CookinPellets.com. Your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit Amazon.com if you would like to purchase Cooking Pellets from there. Either way, doesn't matter. CookinPellets.com is the place to go. Plenty of different flavors. Chris Becker also has a new podcast out that he's toying around with. So if you're interested in Cooking Pellets podcast, check it out. It's all one word, though. A little difficult to search sometimes. All right, my next guest hardly needs introduction. Does Barbecue Hall of Famer do it for you? It does for me. It's Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy. Hey, Ray. Hi, Greg. How are you? I am absolutely fabulous, and we welcome Ray back to the show. It's been a number of months here and uh, plenty of stuff to get caught up on. Uh, Ray, let me ask you this. I do a read for uh, Cooking Pellets as we're coming in. Is 2020, and uh, as I preface this by all of us that are within the industry and have known about them forever and ever, and you're an owner of uh, at least one, or were an owner of at least one, pellet cookers, is 2020, in your estimation, the year that pellet cookers make the jump into a mainstream vernacular of folks in the backyard, or are we not there just yet? Uh, well, we, it might have been 2019 because they're certainly everywhere. But man, when Weber jumps on board, you got to think that it's time. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not too involved in it. I'm hearing things about the the Weber issue, but um, just the fact that they have gone through all the trouble to create a pellet cooker, and of course they'll fix it. You know, I mean, I, whatever the issues are, I know it's Weber. They're going to straighten it out. So, and obviously the growth of Traeger and everybody, all the uh, actually, Fast Eddie told me this morning there's 22 pellet wow. manu- grill companies on the market right now, and I believe him. That's a lot. Well, so, yes. I mean, I think when we were doing the very first brisket roundtable ever back in 2006 or whenever it was with such luminaries as yourself and Fast Eddie, Jim Minion, Lee, and Whippin, that, uh, you know, it was like Traeger and then that Fast Eddie cooker, and that was pretty much it back then. Yeah, that's right. I think there was a couple others out there on the market, but you didn't see them. You didn't even yep. know where they were. Um, yeah, absolutely. So it's come a long way. But I mean, and pellets. I mean, I was at Publix this morning. And there's pellets on the shelf. So that's you know just the availability shows you how many pellet cookers are out there. No doubt. Ray Lampy joining us here on the show. Drbbq.com, his website. If you want to check it out. So Ray, the latest news after a 17 year relationship or partnership or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you and Big Green Egg have uh, decided that we're going to part company. So I don't know uh, whatever you're uh, allowed to say or, or legally or if there's NDAs and all this stuff. But, uh, I mean, it certainly, you know, from one aspect, 17-year run is longer than most marriages these days. So uh, to have that kind of a business relationship, especially in our kind of business, is probably one that we might not ever see again. That's a, a very long time. Uh, but then on the other side, uh, you know, why do we break up? Uh, what's going on with that? Well, first of all, there is no NDA. I could say whatever I want. I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> another thing I said to Eddie this morning, Eddie's my old buddy, you know that, and we were talking. I said, you know, I invented the job. <laughs> right. Nobody, nobody from the barbecue world 
uh, from the competition world for sure, had ever worked for a grill company when I got Big Green Egg to hire me. And 17 years later, I'm done now, finally. Well, everybody else that got a job in between there has done a shorter tenure than me. So I got no problem with it at all. The other thing I'll tell you, in 17 years, I've worked for a lot of other products, too. You know, I mean, the pork board, the uh, uh, Cabo, uh, Jack Daniels, um, Creekstone, go on down the list. I could name 50 things that I've that I've worked for that all ended well on a much shorter version than 17 years. So it's a kick-ass run. I, I got no problem with it at all. You know, I, I, I often, I was thinking about this for what I would say about it. Um, I, you often hear me say about my trucking business situation that it ran its course and it was time to do something different. I, I feel the exact same way about this. It was a great run. Look what we did. Someone told me you might want to position it as mission accomplished. You know, Big Green Egg wasn't what they are. And when I started, I, I mean, obviously, I don't get all the credit, but I get some of it. And it was a great run. Yeah. I mean, I think when you think, think of Big Green Egg, at least over the last 17 years, it was almost synonymous. You you see a Big Green Egg and you think of Dr. Barbecue, especially if you're in the subculture as we are. If you see Ray Lampy, you automatically think of uh, Big Green Egg and you were always uh, very complimentary, uh, always very supportive of uh, the relationship and talking about it in a great way, but you know, never over the top or anything like that. But there seemed to be uh, quite a real affinity for the cooker itself. Oh, no question. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, makes it hard if I, I don't know what the future holds, but it'll be, it'll be tricky because yeah, I do love cooking on the thing and I think it is as good as it gets. So uh, yeah, there's no doubt about that, but you know, again, it, it goes forward. You always got to be looking forward. I, I have, uh, it, it, my role has diminished over the last few years with them and things changed. The company went from being this company that really needed a guy like me in the beginning. I was out there competing and, and beating the streets doing that. I was stopping at dealers. I was traveling the country in my trailer and it's evolved so much over the years what I did for them. And so it just continues to evolve. Is that a segment of the market that has topped out at this point, do you think? Well, we certainly were the 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 mother of all growth for about the last 10 years. So, um, you know, I mean, think about that. 17 years ago, I'm going to a hearth and patio show next year, next week. And 17 years ago, they didn't know what to do with Big Green Egg. It didn't really fit in anywhere. Uh, it was a charcoal cooker, but no one else had just charcoal cookers. It was a weird thing. Now it's a, a dominating category there. And, you know, that basically Big Green Egg is completely responsible for that. Now, have we kind of flattened out? You got to figure. I mean, you can only have that growth for so long. Uh, one of the new things that you're into is, I believe, the title is Spokeschef for the National Turkey Federation. So as you said, you've been through, you know, 50 other products and relationships and stuff over the last 17 years too as you were running with Big Green Eggs. So talk to me about the new deal with the National Turkey Federation. Yeah, the spoke chef, that's actually what we always used for Big Green Egg. I think we made that one up too. Uh, we broke a lot of ground. No doubt. And uh, so when we were talking about with the turkey folks, uh I threw it out there. I said, that's what we always use. And they liked it. So that's what we're going to use. Yeah, the National Turkey Federation, not the wild turkey people. Uh, but it's actually, there's two similar organizations. This is the one for domestic turkey. They're they're in D.C. They're kind of they do some lobbying and that sort of thing. And uh, they've never really done this sort of thing, have a chef on board. 
and I met them. They've been around at a lot of barbecue cookoffs, Leslie and Beth. Everybody's met them. And I started talking to them, and I, you know, I told them what I could do. And and so I think they have plans for me. Uh, I've already spoke at their conference, their annual conference. So I think they probably have plans for me that I'm not necessarily out at all the cookoffs, but. Um, but really nice folks. I really like them. And I'm a huge fan of Turkey. This is no BS at all, man. I mean, when I, I got my first trophy I ever won in, in, in a KCBS contest in 1991 is in my office right over there. And it was for a Turkey I cooked. Huh. Um, you know, I was on best thing I ever ate with it, eating a Turkey at big Bob Gibson's and, and on and on and on. I mean, I really do like Turkey. So this is exciting to me. Is it one of the most underappreciated proteins i know everybody makes a big deal about it at thanksgiving obviously you might double up on it for christmas but then if you're not going to a barbecue restaurant that has it on the menu it's almost like out of sight out of mind for the other 11 months out of the year almost yeah i totally agree with you and that to me i see that as this great opportunity sure um they dominate in lunch meat they dominate in uh um of course thanksgiving yep and what was the other one? There's another one that they they you know they own. Um, and but then you know day to day they just it's amazing. I the well, first thing I did was go to the store and look, and there's like a 18 inch wide section, and there's like a hundred hundred feet of chicken at the store. I'm like, how can that be? So yeah, I mean to me it's just sort of been under under loved. And who doesn't like turkey if we cook it right? I, I think the the potential is huge, and that that's the excitement for me. So people just need to follow you on social media and stuff, keep up with all the, the turkey happenings with you then? I suspect you'll see plenty of it out there, yes. That's, all right. You know, I'm, I'm not hard to find. No, fair enough. Uh, DRBBQ.com, Ray's website, uh, which also has links over to social media as well. Um, so let's talk about the other thing that's been going on here over the last couple of years, which is uh, Dr. Barbecue's restaurant. Uh, we are now well steeped into it. Uh, this isn't a couple weeks or a quarter or six months in. I mean, you know, we're now years into it. Uh, what do we love about the restaurant? Um, the food. I just, I was just there. The food is, the food stays good, man. Yeah. We're doing a great job with the food. Are you surprised? Gotta... Are you surprised the consistency, or or is that what separates a barbecue restaurant that has staying power? I'm considering the turnover we have with staff. Uh, I am surprised at the consistency because turnover is just an endless battle. Um, so there's, you know, there's different people with their hands on it on a regular basis. And, but I, I part of the credit is, I mean, we buy good quality meat, but we also that oiler, man, we got a big J and R oiler. And I'll tell you, that thing is like magic. It's a mm -hmm. great cooker. Um, as long as we, I mean, we still got to, you know, we got to take the meat off at the right time and, and handle it right after that. But, uh, you start out with a really good opportunity with that oiler. I, I'm amazed at it. Uh, and the pitmaster is still there. Is it Lee? No, he's long gone. He uh, long gone. He's probably oh no! What happened? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I you know I don't know. I, I like Lee a lot, <laughs> oh, and I was really disappointed. Yeah, he had some some personal problems, family problems that he was dealing with right at the same time, and it's a it's a miserable business, man. It's so stressful. Um, for these people that are there every day that, you know, and Lee was not afraid to work. It just, uh, you know, oh God, I, I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to get specific. So but there was obviously just, things uh, going on is what we're saying. Yeah, no, I don't necessarily blame him. He just was, it's just a tough road to hoe. I mean, it's a burnout factor. I don't know that he was burned out, but he was headed there. So are you through like a number of pitmasters now, or do you not even bother trying to fill a pitmasters role? You're just 
training people to do these meets. Oh, uh, Dr. Barbecue's the pit master now? Uh-oh. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. That's a I lot of work then, also. The, all of my assistant pit masters are uh, there cooking the barbecue uh-huh. every day. Right, right. Yeah, we don't want to get into that again. That, that kind of was a, a, not a good solution to the problem. Um, so, yeah, I, I oversee it, and there's a whole bunch of people involved. But the, but they're good. I mean, they do a great job. It's not that they don't. I really liked having Lee, and Lee's, you know, he's a really good barbecue cook. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, the, you know, the show must go on. And that's what I've learned. And the part about the restaurant business that I always thought I would not want to be involved was because of dealing with the employees. And that's absolutely the, the suckiest part of it. Uh, a lot of good ones, but they just don't care like you do. Well, I was just going to say, is it, a, is it a point of you have a deeper buy-in, you have more skin in the game, especially you because you have a huge picture of yourself out there on the side <laughs> of the restaurant, your name is on it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're probably uh, financially vested to some degree. So, I mean, you have a bigger stake than somebody going in and making an hourly wage. I'm sure it's competitive. Uh, but, you know, if something goes wrong, then they just don't show up on a Tuesday and maybe they don't show up on a Wednesday and fuck it, I'm fired and I'll go get another job somewhere else. That has to be uh, hugely frustrating. Yeah, it is. You're exactly right. And, and it's just, it's also the nature of the industry is you could literally walk across the street and get hired. You know, we, we have people working for us that used to work at the restaurant across the street and they got people to work for us. I mean, it, it you know, it just, it, the nature of it is they, I don't know, I'm not going to say they know that. I think they all come in with good intentions, but, but yeah, they're not invested. They're, they're, you know, I, it's it's funny. I call them. I, I I say they're like strippers because they're there to work the hard. They'll do a good day's work and they make some good money, and that's what they're there for. But you know, they're not. They don't care about it like I do. That's for sure. Although I shouldn't say all. There's some really good ones. It's amazing the the efforts. They they all work really hard, uh, and some of them are really sharp. But across the board, it's <laughs> some of them will really let you down. So let me ask a question here. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm just wondering because I spent a lot of time in food service being a waiter and working in kitchens, washing dishes, all that stuff as I was you know, coming up before I started to make the millions uh, selling trucks and doing the show. Uh, yeah. If you paid a server 25 bucks an hour and you had a group that bought in, they're making a decent wage. I don't know how the tip outs would work at 25 bucks an hour. Maybe you don't get tipped out at that point. But you pay twenty five bucks an hour. Do you think you have a better shot at getting more buy in from the employee, and that they feel like now they're they have a different level of being a team member, and and the whole restaurant uh, raises up together because of that? Well, I mean, I think most of those people end up being managers. So, yes, at that point, they do make that kind of money. Uh, I don't know. And luckily, I have good partners that are very much more take care of that end of the business. Um, But in my personal thought is $2 an hour more wouldn't get you anything except them saying, see, you should have paid us that before. Um, If you paid $10 an hour more. Yeah, I think you would get that kind of reaction, but you know, obviously, you can't do that. You can only, you, you know, the margin. That's one of the other things I've learned. The mm-hmm. the margin in a profitable restaurant is thin, man. If everything's going just right, they can make some money, but it's it's really thin for the investment. Um, so I, I'm not sure that that you you can't you just flat can't do it. And as far as like you know the tipping out, 
Danny Meyer, they tried to do that in New York where they would just charge a little bit more for the food, give you a, give everybody a fair wage, and and that would be the deal, and nobody liked it. Hmm. Um, in England, in England, they have a thing they call they have a minimum wage, and then they they identify a living wage, so that you know you can you could advertise that we pay our people a living wage. Because think about it, what's minimum wage? I don't even know what it is. Ten bucks an hour, or something like that. And you know how are you going to live on that? <laughs> It'd be prior to live on that. So they identify it as a living wage. That's a pretty cool idea. Uh, Ray, um, on a scale of one to ten, uh, at this stage of the restaurant career, how happy are we with the restaurant? Are you still in it to win it, or are you uh, starting to to get a little sour on it? What's the deal? Uh, yeah, I, I would say I'm a ten. Uh, there's 10? no doubt. Wow. I, I enjoy it. Great. I mean, you know, I've learned a lot. There's, you know, the frustration level is is the uh, part of part of what goes with it. But that doesn't mean I don't think it's cool. It's it's a lot of fun every day. I go in there, you know, I just was there. Uh, a, an old friend stopped in, was coming in for dinner. And so I went up and said hi. And, and I walked through the restaurant and there's a go-kart race across the street this weekend. And I see some of the guys in the pits and I stop and talk to them. And I stop and talk to a lady that's got a little doggy outside. And I, they, they're all happy. Their brisket's so good. They love me. And, and this, you know, you walk through the restaurant and, man, it's pretty fun for me. I enjoy that a lot. And then, you know, as much as I complain about these employees, uh, I'm by far the oldest guy in the place. And it's fun to work with all them young kids. You know, it, even when they piss you off, they re- they all work really hard. And it's it's good for me to hang out with all these young people. All right. So make sure that if you're in the area, stop by Dr. Barbecues and uh, grab some great uh, regular barbecue stuff. But, uh, you know, some outside the box stuff as well. And keep up with Ray on his website, drbbq.com and through the social media channels. Ray, always appreciate the time. Great catching up with you. And let's do it again sooner than later. Thanks, Greg. Talk to you soon. You got it. There he is, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Talking about a myriad of topics. I thought for a second he was souring on the restaurant, and then he hit me with a 10. It's a 10. Wow. I thought, like, I thought he was going to be coming with a solid 5. Employees can kill your mood quick. It's truth. A 10. <laughs> All right. We are quickly hitting the top of the second hour, closing the first hour. Ray's website one more time is drbbq.com. DRBBQ on Instagram and Twitter, I believe. At least Twitter. I don't know how active Ray is on Instagram. But hit the website, and that'll tell you exactly where to find them, especially if you want some more turkey info. A lot more of that stuff is going to be coming out. When we come back, we'll wrap the first hour, and we will look to the second hour. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Hang on.
big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, thanks again to Ray Lampy for joining me last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. In fact, I made two smaller meat loaves. I didn't make the traditional two-pound meat loaf that I usually make in hopes of having the meat get done quicker. So I made two one-pound loaves. And because my fireboard has two internal meat probes, I stuck them right in each loaf. Loaf? Then I could monitor each independently. It was great. You can use the fireboard inside and outside. I used the fireboard outside two days ago when I finished the last 85-day dry-aged ribeye, courtesy of the butcher shop. They're in Pensacola, Florida, by the way. They sponsor the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. So if you find them on Facebook slash The Butcher Shop, and that's S-H-O-P-P-E, uh, you call in. They don't have, like, a website. But if you call in and uh, order anything, just drop the name of the show, The Barbecue Central Show. You get 10% off your order. Quick plug for The Butcher Shop. But I had 85-day dry-aged steak from there. And I have to tell you, somebody who has had 60-day dry-aged, 85 wasn't that much more funky. Some funk... Some additional funk, but not too funky. So I want to check out 100 days, see if that is the edge of funkitude. I'm just trying to figure out different ways to say funk. 60 is funkalicious. 85 day funkified. 100 day could be too funky for this guy. We'll have to see. Got to get my hands on 100. I think Butcher Shop can help me out with that. Steve Ray was saying that Ray Lampy will be picked up next month by a major player in the pellet grill industry. We'll see about that, Steve. Everybody loving the Doug Shiding Wiener graphic sponsored by... No names, please. How dare you? It's funny. You'll see it in between the first and second hour if you missed it as we were transitioning here into this segment. Also, thanks to Malcolm Reed as he is making his way out to Norcross, Georgia to pick up his competition trailer. Sleeping four comfortably, six uncomfortably if you had to. He's got a Old Hickory CTO mounted on the back. And it sounded like he was going to put a gateway, uh, maybe some other cooker on there as well, but that sounds like it would be able to take off. All right, we are pointing to the second hour. Everybody go refresh libations. We have a huge second hour coming back, so tell all of your friends and neighbors 
that they need to be tuning in right now so they can be ready to catch the show live as it is meant to be. The BBQCentralShow.com is the place to go for all viewing and listening options. I'll be back right after this. Stick around.